Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Cast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I belong, I belong to you. I belong, I belong to you. guys i am sorry this is ace podcast nation and wasn't it nice to hear that song again it's been a very long time couldn't play the other one because the efl copyrighted all of them 70 odd videos the big spoil sports but i'm delighted to be back on the channel and it's a monday which is normally a members only show but uh we've got a little treat as uh the return of the legend he's a former middlesbrough striker former cardiff city striker and of course, Davy Jones's favourite son, Mr. Andy Campbell. How the devil are you? Evening, mate. Yeah, all good. Yeah, yeah. It's been that was a bit strange watching that. It brought back some very good memories. Um, brought back some 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 of our ex guests on the show as well, which is uh, yeah, lovely. 
good times. Yeah, mate, it was wicked. It's like, um, funny, it's, it's been really, it's been a bit of a weird week because obviously I spoke to you last week and we sorted it out and stuff. And then I went to um, some boxing up in Abergavenny on um, Saturday night to support my mate. And uh, I got recognised by like two or three people, which was so surreal for me because that's not something that I'm used to. And then I bumped into like a few people who I knew from doing shows with. And about four or five people asked me about you. And like, oh, is he coming back? Is he, well, when's he on? When's he on? And it was just, it was really surreal how it sort of all just coincidentally happened because I think last week. All fell into um, place. Yeah, last week we, I was doing a, like the Cardiff show and people were asking about you and, and Kev and stuff. And it's, it's nice, mate. I, I really enjoyed listening to that little intro there. So we'll talk about you for a bit and then we'll talk a bit of football as is tradition. But um, obviously, you left us to, uh, to, to try yourself in the. Back in football, mate, which wasn't the plan. No. Because uh, I remember we had a conversation not long before you sort of went to Middlesbrough Ladies that you weren't really interested in getting back into football in that sort of shape of things. And you were, you know, we were obviously doing quite well with the podcast and stuff. And we'd just started talking about like a live show and all this stuff. And then about a day or two later, phone call. And uh, there we are, history, as it were. But... Um, Talk, talk to me a bit about manager of Middlesbrough ladies. Obviously, a special, special club for you, and the ladies side of it. You obviously have got a big affinity to women's football, and links within that setup as well. Like how, how did it come about? How did it go? What was it like at first? Talk to me. Um, it, it all came out of the blue. Um, if I'm all honest, it was it, it was all during one of our shows on the Monday night. Before was ringing constantly throughout. Um, everyone who was a, a show regular knows my connection wasn't great uh, at the best of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was brutal that night because before it just kept ringing. It was the chairman of Middlesbrough Women, um, who um, who offered me an opportunity. And to be fair, it was too much of an opportunity to turn down. I know I, I didn't really want to get back into football. It was never anything on my agenda. It was, I think I'd wore the T-shirt, I'd been through the football mill um, and done enough that I didn't really need to probably ruin my reputation um, and, 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 and get involved in anything. But this was an opportunity where I, I thought I could make a difference. Um, I was there, what, just under two years. Um, made, a, made a huge difference, I believe, in the area uh, for women's football, for girls in the area, give people opportunities, um, put help put the club on the map a little bit, uh, continue the great work which has been done previously to by previous managers and and um, chairwomen, chairman, etc. Uh, but everything sometimes always comes to an end. And um, I think probably a couple of weeks before that, uh, the decision was for me to step away. That um, it was probably coming. Um, it was probably the right time. I think I think I've said before on here that um, previously I've stayed my I've overstayed my welcome as a manager. That I probably should have gone out at the right time, and this time was the right time. So I've. I've got no regrets why I went, when I went. Um, it was perfect timing. Um, listen, I'd love to be more successful. I'd love to achieve the targets that I set myself. But in fo- unfortunately, in football, you're, you're fighting against other managers, other teams, other players, uh, your own players sometimes. And, and it just didn't work out. You know, I've got I've got huge love for the club. My daughter's still plays for the club. Um, so my affiliation is not going not gonna to stop. I, I'll, I'll continue to help the club as much as I can um, and need to. But... Um, but for me, I think uh, I think football management now. I think um, I retired too late in football. I believe I got to I think I got to forty one, forty two, 
I think as a manager now, I think, uh, yeah, I think I, I think I'm finally, finally done. I think, in fairness, like I think it was that was probably the only just from speaking to you previously. I think that was the only job you would have taken was the Middlesbrough ladies job, and I think from the outside, at least looking in, it seemed like not only were you doing you, know, you were doing all right on the pitch. I felt like you could see a progression in the results and and things. You know, it wasn't like an instant thing. There was progression. The performances seemed to get better. The togetherness of the group seemed really good as well. Again, from the outside. But um, also, I felt it looked like you were putting things in place off the field, you know, to move things on and develop the club. Do you feel like you left the, left the, the team and the club in a better situation than when you went in? I personally think I left them in a miles better position than, than when I took over um, on and off the pitch. Um, I think people will, will look um, a little bit at results and league tables, and probably rightly so, because managers are judged on on those, and um, which I do think is a little bit unfair because it was a club who who was in a transition and needed a bit of stability. Um, I gave them that. Uh, I give them an opportunity to um, for young players to platform their football. You know, obviously, I've still got links with women's football because because uh, of my role at, at work with T Six Academy, and I've still got all the girls there uh, who still are cracking footballers, lovely people. Um, so they're obviously still within the thing. So I'd still keep my uh, my eye in with them and, and, and still have good things to say about all those footballers and, and, and some of the players that played with me previously at Middlesbrough. But um, I think I left them in a better position uh, on and off the pitch. You know, with the links that they've got now with the men's team and, uh, and and stuff on and off the pitch is fantastic. And it it gives the local girls in here, around here, you know what I mean? My daughter's, what, six, seven years old, you know what I mean? So in nine years' time, ten years' time, hopefully... She'll get an opportunity to wear that red shirt at the Riverside playing for Middlesbrough women. That would be the ultimate dream, you know. Um, you know, I mean, all my kids so far, apart from the youngest one, who's um, so far plays football, and you know what I mean. It's 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 a game for everybody, um, men and women, boys and girls. And um, I know how talented girls can be at football, and um, I've worked with a lot of them, and, and I'm ta- I'm talking elite. You know what I mean? These girls are are at the minute uh, elite, and they can get even better. Yeah, I think it's clear for anyone to see. From you know, at the at the professional top level of women's football now, compared to ten years ago, the game has moved on massively. It's um, you know the standard, everything, but not just the standard of the football, but the standard of you know how it's run off the field as well. I think it's clear to see, and also I think like I see still because Cardiff Council changed the rules a few years ago, whereby the girls once they got to high school age, they weren't allowed to play with the boys anymore, yeah. but quite often. I say once or twice a season, you do come up against a team who's got like one girl in the side because they're too good yeah. for the girls' teams in the area because there's not as many girls' teams. And I think, I, I don't know what it's like by you, but for me in Cardiff, the biggest thing we have to do is get more girls' teams at grassroots level, like parks level, for yeah. girls to be able to play. Because if you're going to stop them playing boys' football at, you know, 11, 12... Then you've got to be able to give them teams that are good enough for those players yeah. to play. No, you can't. Hundred percent, sorry. And I think, I think people need educating as well. You know what I mean? I think we, we it's twenty twenty three now. You know, like let's be let's be perfectly honest. People, girls can't do this. Girls can't do that. Women can't do this. Women can't do that. You know, I'm a man who 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 
when I played football, women's football wasn't relevant at the time when I played. It wasn't as famous as it is now. There wasn't England and nationals who were on the TV, you know what I mean, thrown all over social media, which wasn't apparent back then. And, you know what I mean, now, you know what I mean, the women are absolute superstars, you know, they're inspirational for the people. That's that's every sport. Um, you know what I mean? I, I just in the local area to like, you know what I mean, this week, Savannah Marshall goes and wins the, you know what I mean, his world champion of boxing from, from the Middlesbrough area, you know what I mean? So having these... Having these local heroes as females for my kids alone, uh, for everyone else's kids in the area, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. And long may it continue, you know, because forget those days about just being men or boys playing, being, being footballers and having opportunities, you know. I, I've been there, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity as a footballer myself. And um, hopefully, my kids, other people's kids in the area and the country and the world can, can have, follow suit and have those opportunities as well. Absolutely, mate. And I think. Um... As is tradition, we'll just quickly go to some of the comments. And uh, there's lots of welcome backs from people, obviously. Uh, Reese says, uh, Andy, doesn't it just feel right to be back? Question mark. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Rob Boyle says, all is right with the world. God, I've missed your beautiful face, Andy. But, just uh, less Reece... hair. That's, that's just less hair. I've got, got a browner face, but less hair. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. Um, Reese has got a question, though. He says... Um, what are the challenges that most people wouldn't be aware of when managing in women's football? Recruitment must be difficult. Yeah, it's, it's it, you know what? Girls and women are very loyal, um, extremely loyal. Um, trying to persuade them to leave their friends, teammates, teams is, is very difficult. Um, uh, obviously, the, the obvious... Um, as a, as, a, as a man going into a changing room and 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 setting setting my standards out and and being able to talk to them at certain times, you know what I mean. You've got the challenges of girls getting ready and 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 me being able to get my point across and me being able to spend enough time in, on in the changing room working on tactics and things. You know what I mean. We we got things very right um, and we worked on we worked on those kind of things and um, but yeah, there's listen, there's a lot of challenges, but I think people forget there's challenges across the board in football in general, men and women. Um, you know, so I think when they just think that there's there's more challenges in women's football, you know, I think I think it's only a matter of time until there's a, a woman manager and coach within the men's game. Um, you know, I, I think I think it's a must, and it's going to happen soon. I think there'll be a lot of scrutiny and a lot of pressure on that on that female, unfortunately, but that's just the way of the world. You know, you've got um, you've had female owners, you've got you've got you've got female um, you've got female coach now gone into Brentford. Um, uh, from Leicester City women, you know, obviously you've got you've got things just creeping in slowly and surely, and it, it, it's it's great for the game. Um, you know, what I mean, because the, I've come across some unbelievable coaches um, in the last two years of my uh, in my in my football career. So um, the future is certainly bright. Indeed, mate. And I think um, look, when that woman's manager does eventually come in, she can't be any worse than Frank Lampard was for Chelsea like last last year. So, <laughs> there we go. Um, Reese did quite. He clarified. He said. Um, he meant more as a case of uh, being part time training. There's not so much money that can go out and buy a well, player and I stuff think, like that. Yeah, no, of course. Listen, like uh, yeah, you know, uh, none, none of none of the players were paid at all. Um, along with myself, not paid at all. Uh, coaching staff not paid at all. Uh, we did it all voluntary. We worked right. extremely hard. We trained Tuesday, Thursday, played on a Sunday. Um, our Sunday could be. Um, leave at seven o'clock in the morning, get back at nine, ten o'clock at night. So you, you, it's a huge commitment, huge commitment yeah. from the players, from the staff. Um, I had a seven, eight um, squad of my staff uh, who went, followed me all the way through. So I can't thank everybody enough for for what they did for me and the effort that they put in for me. And um, and listen, they were all disappointed when 
when I left. Uh, but that, this is football. It's 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 part of it's part of life. You, you, you sometimes you succeed in life uh, in certain things, and sometimes you fail in certain things that you try to do and and, and want to do better. And uh, unfortunately for me, that I, I just didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve. Yeah, and I think unfortunately, um, I think one of the things in football generally, more so in women's football, but also in the lower parts of uh, men's football as well, is if you've got coaching staff and managers who are giving up almost like a full-time job's worth of of hours per week and then you've got players who are training multiple times a week and then traveling to games they've got to be paid for their time There's, we have to find a way for, to 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 cover that because like you say it's a massive commitment like i know how much commitment it is just coaching a kid like a teenager's grassroots team let alone a team you know like middlesbrough as a big club it's, uh, it's very, very difficult. And I think to have that amount of money, oh, sorry, that lack of money, I think is, is, a, is a problem. But like you say, it's commitment. And obviously those girls are, are looking to progress with Middlesbrough and with you, but also hoping for a chance to get seen by, you know, some of the teams who are paying and, and yeah. maybe playing at a higher level. Well, listen, it's, 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 it's football. And, and, and if any manager who, who, who wants to get in the game is in men and women who thinks that players aren't putting themselves in the shop window every time that they cross that white line. You know what I mean? Every player, I, I did it as a player myself, that every time you went there, yes, you wanted to play for your club, you love your club, um, but you're there to impress everybody else. You're there because who knows what's around the corner. The managers might not like you. You know what I mean? I've had that in the past with, my, with myself and, and, and you, you, every time you're in the shop window and you need to make sure that you um, you, you give as good as what you get. You know, it's, um, it's a ruthless, ruthless industry and so many times in my in my 44 years of my life, I've found out to my putting my detriment that football is absolutely ruthless. ruthless. Yeah, it's brutal, mate. It is brutal. Um, what sort of manager were you? Were you like um, quite calm, collected? Were you an emotional manager? Yeah, yeah. I kicked, I kicked every ball. I headed every ball. Uh, I shouted at everybody. Uh, but you know what? I cared, and I wanted the best for the football club, and I made sure that um, that everybody knew the importance of wearing that badge because for me. It doesn't matter about anything else. When you when you cross that white line, it doesn't matter who you're playing with, who your manager is, who's who's watching you in the stand. If you play for that badge, um, then you run to a winner. Um, you know what I mean? You you run through a brick wall. You know that I I was quite I was very lucky. Listen, I I grew up playing for the club that um, that I, I dreamt of playing for at Middlesbrough, and I would have run through a brick wall for for every single fan that kept the came to watch me. But then things didn't last forever. I go to Cardiff, and you find a different love. But you still have the same mindset, and you still have the same things. You know what I mean? My affiliate, affiliation with Cardiff is 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 ultimately strong because my daughter was born there. I had a really good life there, and met some unbelievable people there. And and, and same thing. You know what I mean? I I didn't want to leave there, but something else happens, and and you go on again. And you, and for me, you have to have that mentality and that that love for a club. Um, you know, there's some some players fortunate enough to stay at one club all their career, but some people have to move around like journeymen and go from club to club to club. It doesn't mean they don't care. It's just, it's, it's sometimes circumstances that people just don't, people don't see probably the bigger picture. Yeah. What about um, during your time as manager of Middlesbrough, was there a particular game where you were uh, had to get the, the hairdryer out after the game or where you were sort of more um, like, angry? There was, there was, there was one, um, there was one in my first season. We played Hull City at home Um she might be watching actually, uh, and I'll tell the story. So we were playing Hull City at home. We were getting beat one nil uh, by Hull, and it was a six pointer. It was probably a nine pointer. It was that big of a game. We we couldn't afford to lose, or we would probably would have been relegated the following week. 
Mm. Um, and um, and we were getting beat 1-0 by Hull. And I came in and I knew what I was going to do. I knew what I was going to say. So as the door shut, I just let rip. And as I let rip, I scared the goalkeeper, who was my captain at the time, Rosie Todd. She jumped off a chair, bless her. Um, and I think I frightened her to death. Uh, we went out second half. We won 2-1. Um, I'm not taking credit for that, by the way. The girls are the, the, are the players who put the, put the work in, put the effort in. There was just a moment that I needed to get a point across that that, that wasn't acceptable. Um, that players were underperforming. They weren't playing for the club. They weren't playing for me. They weren't playing for themselves. And, and that's not acceptable at times, you know, that... that um, sometimes all you expect is people to try and people to to to, to run through a brick wall and, and and play for the team and play for the badge. And if that's not happening, then sometimes you need to be told. You know, um, I've had managers throw teacups and uh, boots and 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 pin you up against the wall. And and unfortunately, you've got to you've got to take it um, because it's just football and life. And whatever whatever happens in the changing room or should normally stay in the changing room. Yeah, and I think you know emotions can run high in the ninety minutes, can't they? And then. It's got to be sort of left there at the end of it, um, but you know they can sometimes be tricky, kind of. I think it's interesting because you know one of the hardest things I think, if you're a good coach or a good manager at absolutely any level, is you've got a squad of say 20, 25, whatever it may be, eighteen upward, and you've got all these different personalities. And obviously, years ago, when you were probably coming through as a, as a teenager, you were kind of all treated as the same. This is what we're doing. Do it. Whereas I think now, generally speaking, most coaches will try and manage those personalities and maybe someone likes response to being shouted at. Someone else needs a bit of a bit more positive reinforcement. How tricky is that? For you, I know you've got obviously teaching experience as well as the football uh, experience. Listen, I, think, I think that's, I think that's, I think within my role, that was probably one, one of the most difficult things. You see, some of the big clubs in the world, men and women, they have that many coaches that they can, they can go and speak to them individually. Some can get a kick up the backside. Somebody can uh, have their arm rounds. Oh. Just be serious. I think you need, you need to mix it up very, very, uh, very, very carefully. But you need this, you need the staff to be able to do that. You can't just. Um, you can't be one person doing it on your own. It doesn't work. It's too much of a job um, with a, a 16-player squad, 20-player uh, squad, 25. It's impossible. You know what I mean? To, to try and keep a full squad of players happy with one person in charge is just an, a disaster. Indeed. Um, right, I've got a couple of questions for you. As is, uh, as I say, as is tradition, they're coming in f- thick and fast. Uh, Matthew on uh, on YouTube says, at that, at that level, uh, Middlesbrough ladies, like... Is there any money involved at all? You said none of the players got paid. Uh, if not, what are the incentives or what are the incentives for the women at that level other than playing under a legend like yourself? <laughs> uh, thanks, Matthew. Love that. Uh, none, none of our players. Um, well, we, we played against um, Newcastle United. Their players got paid. Um, good salaries. Uh, Leeds United players got, played, got paid even. Some other teams got paid. You know what I mean? I think the I think the plan for Middlesbrough this year now this season in the same league what they're in they're they're going to be getting paid. Um, so it's it's got to be right. There's got to be a, a financial plan in place for for that to happen and for Middlesbrough to progress and to get where they want to be. They had to pay the players. Um, and and for the for the teams like Newcastle got promoted. The only way to get the best players and to and to and to get promoted and do and get the right plan to move forward, you have to pay your players uh, and pay your staff and make it. Um, as professional and yeah. maybe full time as quick as you possibly can. Yeah, funny you mentioned Newcastle. Um, I'm sure you've been following her career, but obviously 
um, and regular viewers of the channel, Charlotte Potts, who was a, a guest on AC Footy Show, and she's been on the channel a few times since then as well. Um, obviously, she went and she did a bit of the rounds. She went out to Switzerland and, and played on loan, really worked hard at her game, both within training and on, you know, away from it as well in the gym and stuff like that. And she's reaping the rewards of that real hard work ethic that she's got, as well as the talent playing for Newcastle now, which I believe is her hometown club, isn't it? And then um, they got promoted and she's done quite well for herself since we, since we spoke to her. Oh, he's just, I, I, I tried to sign, I tried to sign her uh, before she signed for Newcastle. Um, I was this close to doing it and getting it, getting it, getting it across the line. Um, uh, and then she left in time for Newcastle, which listen, I, I can't, I couldn't compete, can't compete. No. Um, and yeah, good luck to her. Played against her a couple of times this season, and, and Rolls Royce, you know, what I mean, stood out in the league. Um, you know, what I mean, for me, probably one of, if not the best player in the league, you know, what I mean, by yeah. a country mile. Um, uh, but you know, what I mean, she deserves to be playing higher, should be playing higher, and she's going to get an opportunity next season to play at that higher level. And you know I mean, she was a great guest, uh, loads of honesty. Um, not had a, an easy ride, by the way, for, no, as a female, no. uh, for where she where she wanted to be, where she currently is or currently was. Um, so, yeah, a real good opportunity for her now. What always impresses me is her, um, every time I speak to her, I get on with her really well. And we had like a little talk about maybe doing something regular as well, because we get on really well. But also what impresses me is like every single post that you see on her Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, it's all her just training, working. Everything is just about like where she wants to be and putting the effort in to get there, that going that extra mile. Do you think she will get to like the top, top level of women's football? I know that's putting you on the spot a little bit, but just from what you've seen as there as, as a as a player that Newcastle United will be in the WSL in the next two or three seasons one hundred percent because they've they've got the right model, they've got the finances in players and they've got some very, very, very good footballers. Um mm. She's for me, like I say, she stand out in that in in their team. Um, I'm not sure what the, I'm not sure if that's the plan for the for the club moving forward. But listen, any any football manager in the right mind would want Charlotte Potts in their team. 100. Mm. Is um is the Newcastle women's team linked to Newcastle United men's side? Yeah, yeah. From last and season, they, they, they got, the got... Year, they played at St James's. They use the training ground. Uh, they use their finances, I believe, as well. So well, they got a bottomless pit of money, mate. Uh, well, with the you know, so and they've got an opportunity. Listen, like, like let's be honest. The Newcastle women have probably got a better chance to win the WSL than the men have got to win the Premier League because it's that hard to win. It's a holy grail, you know what I mean? So the women could be more successful in the in the short term than the than the men. Maybe yeah. you just never know. Yeah, and I think there's obviously not as many women team women's teams will have that financial backing as well. Yeah, no um, yeah. Uh, Will says, how do you think male players would react to having a female manager in the men's game? Would she get the back in of the dressing room? If you asked me 20 years ago, I'd, say, I'd probably laughed at that question because mm. it was never, it, it wouldn't have even been spoke about. And that, that's not me being disrespectful, by the way. That's that's just how just football the was, was and, 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 the, and the way the world was. Now, I think players are, players are very, very fickle in terms of who's standing in front of them and who's telling them what to do if if the ideas are good and the ideas work, then players will have the respect for whoever's telling them what to do. Um, doesn't matter for me if they're female, male, or an alien. You know what I mean? Players, players just want to be successful. You know what I mean? That that if 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 there's a a female version of Pep and can absolutely evolve football, then every single player will want to play for her. It's just it's just the life of of, of being a footballer. You know that that 
you know what I mean? It's no, it's no secret that me and Dave Jones didn't uh, didn't see eye to eye. Uh, you know what I mean? When Dave Jones first stood in front of me, that I knew, I knew that moment that me and him weren't gonna weren't gonna get on because we didn't look at each other in the right within the right manner. We didn't have respect for each other from from day one, and it was just it was a recipe for disaster. And um, it's made it's made this show great, uh, but it's yeah. it's also <laughs> it's also looked after my social media as well. Yeah, do you know? Um, it's funny. Like, obviously, I spoke. We spoke spoke to you a few times about it at different points. Um, and obviously, I spoke. I asked Kev about his experiences with Dave Jones, and his is the opposite. Like, he did. He played his best stuff under Dave Jones, and was very successful. Got on with him, blah blah. blah. And then I did. I had Ken Phillips in uh, Eat Sleep Media in the studio to talk about his career covering, you know, sport and football, and particularly sort of Cardiff, and he was sharing different stories. And obviously. He dealt with Dave Jones quite a lot in terms of. I think he was at one point. They some of them were banned from, you know, from the stadium and stuff like that. He did say he, he was very difficult to, sometimes difficult yeah. to, to. And funny enough, he said he still phones him and 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 Dave can be quite prickly with him. Yeah, listen, listen, it's it's just that's, it's just football and opinions. Um, Brian Robson was like like a dad for me uh, when I yeah. came to Middlesbrough. He Give him a give him a debut at sixteen, and and I wouldn't have a bad word said about him. Um, uh, Lenny Lenny Lawrence signed me at Cardiff. He, he signed me at Middlesbrough previously before that, so I also wouldn't have a bad word to say about Lenny, even though I didn't play for a full season when he picked Ernie ahead of me every week. And but everyone has their own opinions of managers. Chris Wilder, you know what I mean? I wasn't successful here at Middlesbrough last season. For me, at, at Halifax Town, he was he was an amazing manager, and I could see so much potential in him. Uh, everyone has a different opinion on different managers, and I oh, totally yeah. get it. And, I, and and for me, that's the the, the joys of football, really. You know what I mean? That everyone's allowed an opinion, and everyone's opinion should count because what I say about Dave Jones, Brian Robson, Chris Wilder um, should be my opinion, and my opinion only. No one has to agree with it. You know what I mean? I think no. that's think it's very interesting to hear someone's point of view and someone's uh, opinion or stories or you know because I mean? what things that i say for me the fact you know what i mean what, what i talk about in my life what what's happened to me is is a true fact with, with all those guys and that's the thing as well isn't it it's like there's obviously you see it from your point of view yeah and we try i've tried desperately like as you know when you you know when you were still doing the show on a weekly basis i tried everything to try and get dave to come on with us and chatted out and didn't get much back. And I've, you know, I've tried since to try and get him to come on and talk about, just talk about his career and stuff like that. And I don't know whether it's because he links me to you. So I'm automatically blacklisted. I'm not sure what it is. But, um, you know, I mean, like, Mehmet Dalman's happy to come and sit and talk to I have me. That, I, have, I have that. I have that. I, I, I have that quality that people, uh, people, people get linked to me. Good and bad. Yeah, sorry. I don't mind. I like it. Um, Tommy Tornado says, Andy, what's your favourite goal you scored? Uh, if you're talking most important goal, it's got to be the Cardiff goal. Um, oh, and then against QPR, it's, 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 there's, there's, there's no comparison. You know what I mean? There's no, it's not even, it's unquestionable. Um, yeah. It was the biggest goal in the biggest game. Uh, it didn't get any bigger in Cardiff or Cardiff. It was just an unbelievable experience, an unbelievable feeling. Um one thing that I always wanted to do, I always wanted to play for Middlesbrough and I always wanted to score for Middlesbrough. So when I got my first goal for Middlesbrough uh, at, at the Riverside in front of a full house against Sunderland, uh, you know what I mean? When I look back and I see the videos and I see the goal and I'm a little bit like cringing that I didn't celebrate better, I was just ran about like an idiot. And you know what I mean? I do wish that I could turn the clock back in certain moments and change, tweak things a little bit maybe that 
have a good celebration and not look a little bit like I'm a uh, I'm a super fan. You know what I mean? But listen, yeah. when you put yourself and drop yourself in that moment, it's um, it's pure adrenaline. Uh, but yeah, for me, the the Cardiff goal was just really special and something else and something that what is it? Twenty three years later, twenty two years later, at the, at the minute, it's just a, an unbelievable. Unbelievable moment, moment in time, mate. And also, I think the importance of it, it changed the course of history for Cardiff in a lot of ways. Because, of, you know, at that point, we weren't far from going. You know, if we could kept failing to go up, eventually we'd have had to sell all our players and we would have been in a lot of financial trouble earlier. Um, and it's interesting. I, as you know, I go to Sleep Media to um, film my in-person in, in shows. And... Um, they do a lot. They do a lot of work for the. Well, they run. They do the um, Welsh FA's YouTube channel. So I sort of pick their brains about different stuff. And um, I had an idea uh, about probably about a year ago um, that I wanted to make a film, like a documentary about that goal and the impact that it had. You know, like the butterfly effect from it all. And uh, I in today I had in the studio uh, Kieran Gibbons, who's an award-winning filmmaker. So I've been picking his brain and he's helped me out a bit in terms of how to get it started, get planning and uh, get some permission for certain footage mm -hmm. so they don't copyright strike it. So that's, um, I'm hoping to get that started it's by like, the end of this year. No, which exactly, is but be like, interesting. I think what you say there about, uh, you know what I mean? Like we, we, listen, as players, we, we have, we've had that discussion since, you know what I mean? As, um, as, as, as adults, you know what I mean? Not just in that bubble of being a footballer. Um, that if we hadn't won that game, regardless who scored the winning goal, I think if we'd have lost that game, um, Ernie wouldn't have stayed because why would he? You know what I mean? He's a Premier League footballer. He wouldn't have been playing that level. Danny Gabadon, James Collins, Graham Kavanagh, Peter Thorne. Um, yeah, Spencer those players were done. Gary Croft, Andy Campbell, yeah, Willie Boland, you know what I mean? Leggy. I could go. I could, I could name the whole squad there and every one of those players was too good to be playing at that level at the time. But, League tables don't lie, and and where you're playing for that for that reason. You know, I mean, that listen, that squad I've just named that was an absolute dream to 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 be in a dressing room with, to be uh, on a pitch with, to be in a pub with. Do you know, what I mean, those those guys were absolutely a dream, absolute dream to be with. Um, absolute heroes, a lot of them. Uh, but end of the day, if that goal hadn't have gone in, uh, it it would have been a catastrophe for that football club, I believe, because it would have left them in a in a in a right mess, and and God knows where it might have been right now. Yeah, and I like I said, I think that there's a good, good documentary in that, and a good film in that. Speaking to the people involved, speaking, you know, looking at it from the club's point of view, and I think there's something in it, and I'm hoping to get started on that by the end of this year. Um, Reese says, as a manager, you have to schedule, uh, you have to have a schedule in place for week to week. Uh, so my question is. How does a regular Monday slot on Ace Podcast Nation sound? Oh, I should have read that before. I should have read that before I put it in. I don't want to put you on the spot tonight. Leslie says, um, what's, what's the shirt behind you? You can't see her. Uh, that is my uh, Oldham Athletic 7 1 uh, hat trick shirt when we beat Oldham away at Boundary Park 7 1. When I got my. I got the, the famous face. pie thrown in my face. I think, it was, and Andy Andy Gorham was in goal. So it was it. Yeah, again, a, a game. Probably people talk about goals and people talk about moments. That was a game which, for so many reasons, the Andy Gorham, he was my hero. Um, getting thrown, we're getting a pie thrown in my face during the game, scoring a hat trick, winning seven one. You know, I mean, so many so many moments in that game were absolutely just pivotal to make that game like the, the probably the best game that I've probably played in. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Fair, fair. I like it. And a pie in the face just makes it even more uh, even better, memorable. Even better. And, and, to, and, and to add that one, I, I, I tracked him down on, on Twitter, so... Oh. So I, I don't know if that was true or not, but yeah, I mean, he did reach out and um, and and say it was him. So I can only believe him. I wouldn't have wasted the pie on me, to be fair. But fair play to him. There we go. James Costley, welcome back, James. He says, uh, "Who was the nastiest player you ever played against?" Nastiest player, I'd probably say Neil Ruddock. Um, for when I played against him a couple of times. Firstly, I played against him for Liverpool, and he was. I made my full debut at Anfield at 17, just turned 17, and he was evil. He'd, he'd hit me, punch me, kick me, bite me, nip me. Um, he did everything possible in a 90-minute game of football and got away with every single one of those things that I'm just I'm mentioning. And then shook me hand at the end of the game and bought me a pint, which I wasn't allowed to drink either. So it was a it was a game that I'll never forget. It made me grow from a boy to a man in about 75 minutes, which was, in my football life, it was it was really good, but... Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, next time I played against him, I made a point that I was going to try and run rings around him, which didn't really happen. And I've done it since, which I've, I've got a little bit more joy. But now Neil was a, he was a, he was a real, real proper defender um, who you knew what you were going to get from him. So I think, and I think sometimes you, you, you like that. What you see is what you get, and I think that's uh, makes makes you realise that those those players are, are probably few and far between. Indeed, mate. Um, a couple of people said the same thing, so I'm going to mix them together. Uh, Leslie and Clive both said, great to have you back. Um, they said one of the best goals you scored was against Manchester United. That was when you were young, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did score two against Man United. I scored a header, um, which I never scored a header. So it wasn't it wasn't a great goal, but it was a, a pivotal moment in an FA Cup tie, which, which won the game 2-0, which is great. Uh, and then I scored a volley at, at, the, at the Riverside. We got beat by United 4-3, I think. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really, really, really special goal uh, to score against uh, a team full of World Cup winners and you know what I mean. And international stars was was fantastic. But yeah, I think sometimes you, you I didn't remember certain goals because we didn't win the games. It, it, you know what I mean? As a as a negative effect, sometimes that it's more about the winning than than the individual. I think when I when I retired, I think I, I saw how special those moments were. But it's still it's still probably tainted with a little bit of regret that we didn't win those games. Indeed, mate. Um, Matthew says, uh, what was Willie Boland like off the pitch? I loved his work rate on the field. Was he a top trainer? I will, I'll never, I will never have anyone say a bad word about Willie ever. Not that you were going to, but just anyone, because uh, obviously he got me and myself and my wife together. So for me, he's a friend for life, legend for life. And uh, he could he could do the, like, he could rob a bank. He could rob me blind. And I would still say he's the best person in the world ever. Me and uh, me and Willie were neighbours in Cardiff. Uh, we drove together to training. We argued every day. We we fought every day. We played hard every day. We trained hard every day. But we parted harder off the pitch together. Um, and we were best of friends off the pitch. And and friendships evolve. Willie signed for Hartlepool. He came to live in Middlesbrough with me, um, which was great. You know, um, Willie had a really rough time when he came to the North East. That is. His daughter got a, a really serious illness, um, so we supported the family and helped him out like, like everybody everybody would. Um, Willie was a top top guy. Um, Willie lived with my brother, 
um, for a long time as well. So listen, I've got a huge, a huge affiliation with Willie. Um, but yeah, just a top, top guy. Um, but what you see is what you got with him as well. Like when you're on the training pitch, he would demand excellence. Um, he wouldn't let you get away with a free one. If you've had a, if you've had a few drinks the night before and you weren't really up to training, he would tell you and grab all you and make sure that you put it in. But he would also, you know what I mean, put his arm around you and, and, and tell you how good you were as well. So he was a genuine, genuine nice guy. Indeed, mate. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said about it myself. I uh, got so much time for him. So, so much time. Um, and my wife loves him as well, obviously. Like, he's very special to us for obvious reasons. Um, so um, another thing I want to ask you, just going away from the questions, we'll come back to them in a minute. I'm sure there'll be plenty. Um, looking at the modern-day football now, and you see uh, the the Saudi league is buying up players. And it started off as, you know, the Ronaldos, Benzema's. You were kind of coming to the end of their career. It's a payday. Then they're getting a bit younger with, like, Koulibaly and a few others, the uh, Chelsea goalkeeper. And now we're seeing players start to go, who are, you know, like 27, 28. Do you think because of the amount of money that they are throwing around and, you know, effectively it's a bottomless pit of money, do you think, you know, in five years or uh, X amount of time, the Saudi league could become one of the top five leagues in the world? Um, I don't believe so. And I don't believe so because... Um... Money makes you a little bit complacent, I believe. I think it takes your eye off the ball. It takes your eye off the prize. And I think in the Premier League at the minute, it's week in, week out, it's dog-eat-dog. Dog. You know what I mean? You can get beat by Crystal Palace. You can get beat by uh, Liverpool. You can get beat by um, uh, Bournemouth. You know what I mean? So, I think I think there, you know what I mean? You look at uh, Ronaldo's team trying to buy try to buy the league this year and, and they failed because Ronaldo doesn't, he can't do anything on his own, you know. If you filled the team up with all of the Premier League players and all of the best players in the world, then you're talking about a different story. For me, currently, I don't think they're bringing enough. And you know, listen, the amount of money what they're getting paid is astronomical. It's absolutely outrageous. But these players are already multi-multi-millionaires. So what's the appetite? You know what I mean? They're not going there to win trophies. They're not going there to win the Champions League. They're not going there to win the World Cup. They're going there to earn money. And that's absolutely fine, by the way. I'm not criticising at all whatsoever. Um, but I think when they look back at the career, um, you're talking the Neveses, you're talking the Koulibaly's, you're talking um, Kante's, uh, Benzema, you know, that these kind of players who probably could still win the Champions League, could still win the Premier League, could still win these kind of things, you know. For me, I would have, I would have loved to see Benzema in the Premier League, if that's coming off the bench, if that's um, well, uh, doing something. I just think we're, we, we, I think players may possibly have missed a trick. Yeah, here's two examples for you straight away. Okay, so you've got Ruben Neves leaving Wolves. He could. He, uh, United wanted him. Liverpool wanted him. Arsenal wanted him. Uh, I think Chelsea had certainly inquired about him. So you're talking all those clubs who you know were at the top top tier of the Premier League. Then you look at Benzema. All right, he is coming to the end of his career, but United are desperate for a striker, and he was on a, fr uh, a free. You know, he could have done a season like Zl uh, like Zlatan did or someone like that, and been the main man for a year. And I just question my thing with it is I like I like you said I would never criticize any player no matter their age for chasing or having that going for that amount of money because it's so much money no matter how much money you got it's a ridiculous amount but at some point like if you're a top level Premier League or La Liga player or Champions League player you're earning more money per week and per, or per year than you can ever spend 
and it's like how much money do you need and at the yeah, end cool. like at the end of the year at the end of your career what you look back on is is trophies and achievements totally, totally and, agree and i'll use i'll use i'll use harry kane as an example now you know that harry kane's got a, a huge dilemma on his hands right, right now he's got a potential decision to make does he stay at spurs and become the all-time top goal scorer in the Premier League and break that record this season or next season? Or does he go to Bayern Munich and win the Bundesliga and maybe win the Champions League? You know, he's got a huge decision, you know what I mean? Because he either, either goes and wins a couple of couple of medals, which potentially won't do at Spurs, or he goes and becomes a great in the UK. So for me, that's a, a really good dilemma to have. It's a really good opportunity to have. It is. And, you know, I, mean, think, I, look at, um... I, look, I look at Messi though as well. Like Messi last, Messi two years ago when he went... I, I, I was I was doubt, I was negative when he signed for Paris because I thought he was he was going there for the money. He was going there to win trophies. He's won a lot of trophies. He's gone there to win the Champions League. Didn't materialise because he didn't have the quality. He's now gone to go and enjoy his life in the US with David Beckham and and go and earn more money than what he's earning now. So you know what I mean? For me, he's probably done things a little bit the right way. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like Harry Kane, I think I feel sorry. I the one part I feel sorry for him is back when Man City tried to sign him. Um, Daniel Levy had allegedly promised him a move at the end of the season if he stayed one more year, and then he kind of didn't see it through. And now it seems like he's got a year left on his contract. He seems to want to go. He seems to also want to stay in the Premier League. But Daniel Levy has priced him out of a move to United or anyone else because he won't sell. To, if it's a Premier League club, it's like 100-odd million or whatever. But if it's to buy Munich, it's 70 million. And I feel like in, if I'm Harry Kane and I want to stay in the Premier League to be the all-time goal scorer, but also Daniel Lee, you know, he's given his whole of his 20s to Tottenham. He stayed when he could have gone. He's never kicked up a fuss. He, he, went, he refused to train for a couple of days, a couple of years back because of a broken promise. But generally, he's, his attitude's been impeccable. He's, you know, he's, and when it's been a shambles, by the way, at Spurs, he has never criticised the club. The, the owners that you know he's never kicked up a fuss, and I think they owe it to him to say right if he goes to them and says I want to move to a Premier League club, they owe him they owe it to him to sell him for a reasonable price, in my opinion. But as you know, there's no no uh, totally because the thing is also I, business I, I, to them. I and, also see it from a fan's point of view and for the club's point of view that that yes, Harry Kane's been very loyal. Um, he, he could have left. He's also been very looked after by a football club as well. He's getting very well yeah, paid. He's, 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 they've made him and his family um, very rich people by giving him the contracts that they've given him. Yes, how he's earned it because he's, he's put the performances in and he's um, he, he's done really well. But I think that that club and, and for that player, that marriage has been absolutely brilliant for each other. You know, And I think um, for me, would I, would I leave and tarnish it like Saul Campbell did? I don't know. It's a big, it's a big decision. It's a big decision. Absolutely, mate. Um, the other question I wanted to get your thoughts on, it looks at the moment as if Aaron Ramsey is going to go to Cardiff on a free. So um, it looks like it's pretty much tied up. Um, but I said on the Cardiff show a couple of weeks back, if Cardiff sign him and the players around him are just what's in the squad now and they kind of just pop him in and go, there you go, you're, a, you're an elite footballer, do your thing, I think he'll struggle. Because he's, you know, he's 30 odd. He hasn't got the pace that he had. He's always not going to play, you know, 30, 40 games a season. You, you, if you get 25 out of him, I think that's a good return. 
but I think you've got to get legs around him and someone who can pass the ball. Like, how do you think he'll do it in the championship now at the age he's at? Certainly in the latter part of his career. There's no doubt about his ability, but like, how do you think he'll go with Cardiff? I think he's got to adapt his game for me. I think um, I think he's got to play in a specific role which matches his temperament, his age, his um, current style, the way that he's got the way that he's got to be for me. I'd probably sit him in front of the back a little bit like Joe Allen does. I'd sit him. I'd sit him instead of going forward. He, he won't be able to go forward and bomb all the time. You know, what I mean? for me, he's 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 a he's a player who likes the ball. He's a player who's comfortable on the ball. He can set things up. He can his range of passing is very good. Um, he takes good set pieces. For me, I'd let him sit and I'd, let, I'd have legs around him. And and I think you get more out of him. You get more games out of him. Um, he'll use his voice. Um, he'll be very successful. Um, he'll get bums on seats. He'll get more more fans on at the Cardiff City Stadium, which is maybe the, the potential reason why he's going. For me, it's a no-brainer for everybody. It's a no-brainer for, for Aaron Ramsey. He, I think he wants to finish his career. He started at Cardiff City. Go and finish at Cardiff City. Um, the fans want him. Yeah, Wales need him. Um, yeah. I think the whole the whole thing should make sense. Just, it makes sense for everybody, and but he's got to play. You know what I mean? I know we spoke about Gareth Bale and um, that he, you know, what I mean, before he went um, to America, that there was potential before he was going to the World Cup. For me, the dude was a bad decision. He went to the World Cup without playing football games. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've got to play games if you want to be a footballer. Don't just be comfortable and, and sit there. You know, what I mean, we don't know the, the the ins and outs of a contract with Aaron, and and my guess is the club will probably. Look after himself and make sure it's paid your player. Um, so if he wants to get paid, he'll, he'll, he'll need to play football. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because um, you said there about having him as the sort of sitting midfielder in that Joe Allen role. I uh, I was thinking more that he would play in a number 10 role as like the three behind the striker. And then because they've got Ruben Corwell, and in my opinion, if Ruben Corwell isn't going to get a substantial amount of starts this year, he has to go out on loan or he's in danger of becoming a player who has got all the potential in the world but hasn't quite realised it. And I thought that if Aaron comes in, that's almost perfect for Ruben Corwell because he gets to train with Aaron Ramsey every day. But you also know Aaron Ramsey's not going to play 40-plus games a season. So then Ruben Corwell would get, you know, a few a good few starts in his favourite position in that number 10 role. But then you need the two two in midfield behind him to be, you know, one's got to be that good defensive midfielder and one, I think, has got to be like in the pivot who's technically very good but also got the energy and the legs to get about. Well, listen, I watched, I was very lucky. I watched uh, I watched Cardiff come to the Riverside this season um, and for for 45 minutes, I haven't seen a performance like it. Cardiff absolutely blew Middlesbrough away. They were three and a half at half time. It was the movement. It was the... Um, the creativity, the legs, the energy. Um, and my only criticism, if they had somebody who wasn't buying into that, um, it just falters and you're just never getting out of those areas. And for me, I think, um, you know, you need to make sure, unless unless the plan is that he doesn't play every game, but then you need that consistency, continuity, because if you come in for play for in Aaron's place, then you're not getting that consistency. So as a player myself, would I want to play 10 games a season, 15 games a season? No, I want to play 30, 40. Um, you know what I mean? To get that. To get that fitness, to get that sharpness, to get that um, uh, that consistency in my game. So I think it's 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 a it's a fine margin between between getting this right um, and and it just being a publicity publicity stunt. You know what I mean? It's got to be done right. It's got to make sure that that it's right for Cardiff City because if the whole if the whole structure of the season doesn't work because of um, trying to build a team on one player, you know what I mean? That, that 
there's no there's no doubt in the quality in the championship. The championship for me, every season's getting harder. You know what I mean? For me, Middlesbrough over overachieved last year. I mean, uh, with what they had. Um, and I look at the Premier League teams who come down Leeds, Southampton, you know, like they've got the parachute money, Leicester signing Conor Cordy, who's England and National, you know what I mean? These kind of teams are, are, are throwing serious cash around, you know what I mean? So for me, the likes so of the Cardiffs, the likes of the Middlesbrough, the likes of the Norwiches, the likes of the Blackburn Rovers, Sunderland, we've got to all get it right. Have to all get it right. Yeah, I um, I've had a, quite a lot of discussions about some of the free, some of the players who are out of contract this year available to sort of that championship sort of level. There's some good experienced top championship players in there, like Oliver Norwood, um, John Fleck, uh, Puki from Norwich. Like these are people who've proven in the championship that they're very, very top level. And I think teams like Cardiff and Middlesbrough and, you know, the rest, they've got to be clever and they've got to pick up these kind of free transfers because, like you say, Leicester just sold James Madison. They've got parachute payments. They're going to have money to burn and they're going to want to go straight back up. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to me. And obviously, in the Cardiff case, they got a, a new manager from Turkey who no one really knows a great deal about. Is he going to go with what the people at the club tell him or is he going to go with his the people he knows, which is maybe in that there's more sort of European-based players coming in? Because, as you know, mate, the manager lives and dies on the results. So if I'm a manager, I'd rather go with my decisions rather than someone else telling me sign this player sign that player if things if, th- if things don't work out as a manager one thing i've learned uh especially in, in in the time that i've that i've done it um that if you go on someone else's recommendation or go on someone else's ideas and it doesn't work out you're the one who gets to blame anyway so just take responsibility and go yourself yeah. because um you know what i mean it's 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 it's, it's, it's you, you 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 hold the can you know what i mean and if and if, if you win brilliant the players take take the take the uh, take the plaudits. If you lose, it's your fault as a manager. So for me, just just live and die by your own by your own calls and decisions. So here's an interesting one, then, mate. Um, by all accounts, the links to Aaron Ramsey and Cardiff and the sort of reports that it was nearly done, they were out before the manager was appointed. If he comes in, and they say, yeah, we've you know we've got Aaron Ramsey on free. He's pretty much done. And that manager says, "I don't fancy him." What? What would? What should Cardiff have done it or do in that position? Do they back the manager, or do they say, "No, look, you know, he's Wales captain. He's this, he's that. He's a great player. We think he, you know, we're going to bring him in because that's difficult, then, isn't it? I'm not saying that, that has listen, happened. It's, but... it's 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 a manager's philosophy. How how he's going to build his team around? Does he want? Does he want young, fresh, hungry, quick players going forward? If he does, then Unfortunately, Aaron Ramsey doesn't fit the bill. Does he want experience? Does he want uh, however he wants to play his team? Listen, Aaron Ramsey will fit in any team because he's a he's a good oh, footballer. Sure. He may he may have to adapt his game. Like I say, I, I just think you know, I just I, I just think I can see him. I can see him sat alongside Joe Rawls and just absolutely dominating the midfield and, and and having runners ahead of them and them them two spraying balls around. I just think it'd be a it'd be a joy to watch because mm. you know I mean the both. They both real. We've got both got love for Cardiff City, and you know, what I mean, when you've got two lads in the heart of the midfield who love Cardiff City, you, you've got half the battle. Yeah, and they're very, very clever players, also. Um, okay, we'll go back to some questions. Kay Child said, um, "Who's the most famous name in Andy Campbell's mobile phone?" Um, I don't like name dropping. I'll, if people in work are watching this and then they, they see me name dropping, they'll just uh, I'll get stick tomorrow. Um, 
it's got to be someone from the, it's got to be someone from the show, hasn't it? So, so someone we had. Um, uh, let's go. Uh, I'll go Brian Robson. Brian Robson's the most famous person in my, in, in my book. I know we didn't get him in my phone book. I know we didn't get him in the show, but either him or Emil Heskey. Yeah. I, so here's it. I, that, that brings me quite nicely into um, the next sort of thing I wanted to discuss. Obviously, looking back on the show, um, we started it off and it was just me and you talking football stories. And then we did the championship show, which was obviously focused on the championship. And then when COVID hit, we made some changes and adapted and we decided that there's no football to talk about. So we're going to have a different guest on each week, which, you know, 99.9% of the time was through you. And that was, um, it's a lot of work trying to chase people and get guests. It's very difficult. I like, I know I, from my, you know, from, from doing the channel, it's so difficult just constantly chasing people to, to get them on and stuff. Like when you look back at it, apart from it being awesome, like, what's some of your favourite moments or favourite guests? Like, um, what do you look back on fondly of it? Um, I, what, what I think the overall picture that I really enjoyed from it was um, was that I got to ask some questions that I wanted the answers for. Um, I think that like being a super fan and some of the things that you you probably don't hear, it was like a little bit uncensored in it that you can ask certain things. I think players were quite accommodating. Um, that every time we ask them, is there something that you don't want to talk about? They're always very open and honest that, no, I'll talk about anything. But I think when they come out of the game, they're a little bit more um, uncensored, that they're happy to talk about the good, the bad and the ugly, which I think is really important as a footballer because you talk to a current footballer, um, you're not allowed to ask certain questions, you're going to get certain answers, a little bit like a robot, and it, it just becomes boring, um, sterile and and just it's just no, no much fun, you know. Um, but for me, we had some we had some unbelievable guests on. Um, and obviously, uh, close to me, obviously, we had, we had my brother on, and and I think with what happened in the family, that that looking back now, it's 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 something which is special. So that like for me, that and and I know we've discussed it um, before. Obviously, my brother passed away. That 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 had the biggest hits at, at, at the time on the on the show. So um, for me, it was like, but that probably now sticks out more because of what's happened. But for me, it was it was special anyway because it was. Uh, it was just a free for all, and like the comments yeah. on the show were, were lovely, and and it was just uh, it was just having a bit. Of, it was like it was like back in COVID again, where you were just sat on Zoom and having a, having a bit of a crack and a bit of a bit of a laugh on the, on the call. Yeah, that was uh, it was definitely up there with one of my favourite shows because it was just like an hour and a half of just laughs and stories, and you had your mum and your dad was in the comments and stuff, yeah. and it was just like a lot of it was very just a nice feeling. One of my favourite shows, when I look back as well, was Graham Jones. Um, and when you look at what he's gone on to do since the show, it was incredible. Um, but he was I, I was, I was glued to my screen listening to Graham talk. Like, I feel it was fascinating. His, I thought his, Emil his, Heskey as well was incredible. Yeah. Graham's philosophies and ideas in football, um, for me, blew me away. What he, his, his ideas of, of, of coaching methods, his ideas of how he wants the game being played and Excuse me. When you um, when you look at Newcastle and you look at Eddie Howe and you look at Jason Tindall uh, and you think those two are fronting things up, well, Graham's just sat right in behind those two very nicely and is probably doing a lot more work than everybody realizes and understands. And and for me, that's the the sign of someone who doesn't like the limelight. Someone who doesn't like to probably hear his own voice, but he has a huge impact on the rest of those players. And when you hear those players talk um, about 
uh, about the good. Um, I guarantee you that they'll they'll speak really really fondly um, of his coaching methods, of his of his tactics, and his awareness around the place because he's a he's a very 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 well educated man, and his his, his passion for football uh, is just unbelievable. And listen, the people he's worked with, by the way, and, you know, what I mean, yes, he's he's working at a Premier League club now with a, uh, in a, in the Champions League next season. But he's worked with Roberto Martinez, Thierry Henry's. Yeah, like he's 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 had the best education upbringing in football that you know what I mean that that you could probably kill for really. Mm. Is he still part of the England setup? He is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's is, like is this assistant, and, 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 and rightly, rightly so, by the way. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you always notice, don't you, when uh, when managers reach out to coaches who are part of clubs because clubs shut down at international games because everyone's in international football nowadays in the Premier yeah, League. So. Um, for me, it's a no-brainer to have the best of the best. And for me, Gareth's... I, I, I love Gareth Southgate. I was lucky enough to play with him at Middlesbrough. And, uh, and, and you know what I mean? For me, he's a, he's, a, he's a top, top man. But for him to understand, to get the best people in around him, for me, it's 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 that's very, very clever as well. Yeah, and like the feedback which I used to get, and I still do when I bump into people and they we talk about the show, is the feedback was always... Normally, if you see a footballer on anything else, BBC, Sky, whatever, even if they're in a relaxed situation, say talking to Gary Neville or Jamie Carragher or something, they are still in media mode. Whereas the thing which people seem to like is it was live, so they could ask questions. The atmosphere between us and the guest was very relaxed. But also, they were just themselves. So what you've got is you've got footballers being themselves or ex-footballers or current managers, whatever it may be. We had a, very, a range of different, you know, things, and it was just very natural and just a conversation, hearing stories, things like that. And people don't see that from footballers no, these no, days. No, 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 and they also they also don't see like. But listen, everyone who's watched this show, everyone who's seen all the guests, uh, for me, one one which which went down in history was um, was Barry Hales in the caravan. Oh, just man. it was ridiculous. It was oh, one man. of the it was one of the most frustrating evenings. But- by the end, it was just funny, wasn't it? Like, uh, but yeah, by, by by the time it had finished, and we and and we eventually decided just to hang up, give up. It, it was a relief. It was a relief just to cut ties and just say end of the show because I was so excited for the show. Barry was a centre forward. He was a hero. He'd done all this stuff at at, at Fulham under Kevin Keegan, and I was I was so excited to hear all these stories. And then I didn't hear a word he said all night, and it was just it was just and, just so sad. It was just I was just I was gutted. And the thing is, like the first sort of probably hour of it, we're like, try, you know, I'm desperately trying to repair the connection for him and do things from my end and and bringing him back in and out and trying my best. To also, then we're like trying to, you know, be professional, keep the show going, and he's like dipping in and out. And then we'd be talking because he's dropped out, and then suddenly he's, he'd be talking <laughs> up and he'd be halfway through a story, and it was like, oh. It was stressful for a bit, and then in the end, it was like, "Oh, we can't do anything. We can't control it. So let's just embrace it, sort of thing." Um, Cade says Klaus Lund- Lundik van was one of his uh, great yeah, guests. Yeah, well. uh, on, quality, on, on Klaus, it? on Klaus, yeah. Like what I loved about Klaus, um, I, I my naivety, you know, what I mean, I I, I apologise to him because I, I didn't understand how how hard it had life after football and yeah, listen did I. I didn't um I didn't handle coming out of football very well um mm. because it it was nobody ever got me ready for it but I certainly didn't understand how difficult other people had it and some of the stories that he told us um and some of the things that he's recovered from um and he's a very lucky in his own words he's a very lucky man to still be 
where he is now with the fam- with his beautiful family and stuff. And, and you know what? Like fair play to him because he's and that's where every footballer has come out of the game. That that that, oh, and I've always said this. You know what I mean? I said this to everybody on here, and everybody on here knows that I'm genuine to my word. That if anybody struggled with anything over lockdown, COVID, um, to reach out, send us a message, and we always got back to people uh, when we could. Um, and we always help people out. And that's footballers as well. You know that we always. Um, Keep that one on sale. Sort that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, uh, they're just, they're just genuine, and people need help. Um, on this one, right? So Pete, uh, Pete's daughter, Brooke Newton. Brooke was my captain at Middlesbrough. Uh, their family. I can't, I can't thank their family enough uh, for what they, what they did for me uh, in the two years. Um, they've had some. Uh, I know you won't mind me. Won't mind me saying they've had some real tough times uh, in the family over the last couple of years, and we've tried to help and support and guide and and do what we need to do because. Because we're just genuine people who, who like to help and help and support each other. Uh, but you know what, the family, I can't I can't help them enough. I can't support them enough, and I can't I can't thank them enough for all the help they give me. So, cheers, Pete. You and Brooke and the family, amazing people. And on that, um, I saw a comment. Peter said he was gutted that he'd missed it. He'd only sort of just come in now as we're sort of in the final straight. But um, Peter, it is on the on our YouTube channel. It'll be on our YouTube channel like straight away. Um, after the show and it's also you can get it on an audio download as well so you know you can go back and watch the first hour um someone just asked a really interesting question i wanted to ask you are there um, matthew angel said um are there things in place now to advise youngsters of life after football so i think he means when their careers are over i might be wrong but i'll make it a twofold question in terms of support after retirement but also support when they get to 16, 17, 18. They've been in academies all their life, or since like six or seven, and then they're just dumped and dropped and told they're not good enough. I think there's nowhere near enough support at that point. No. I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm sure we've had this discussion on here. And, Probably. And, and even still, years down the line, we aren't anywhere further and closer to where we should be. Listen, you just mentioned there, Si, you can be an eight-year-old boy. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, get dropped at 16. Your world has ended yeah. at a 16-year-old boy. You know what I mean? Because you, you probably, you're probably not tried in school as much, uh, like me. Um, you probably put all your eggs in one basket, like me. Um, and if you'd, if, if, if I'd have felt short as a footballer, I wouldn't have known what to do. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have been stuck, I'd have been lost. And who would have been there to help and guide me? That would, that would have been, that's my huge concern. Listen, the PFA do a huge amount a huge, huge amount. Uh, when I came out of the game, they they did reach out for me. Yes, I was struggling already at the time with with other things, and 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 life was a grey place uh, and a dark place. But they did reach out and put me in the right direction where I needed to be, which was fantastic. But I, I was lucky. Six months is a long time, and for those people, and I know there's been a lot of people, by the way, who who've lost their own lives to, to mental health and, and to suicide because of coming out of the game. There's one's too many. Um, for me, there's some something's got to be done. There's got to be more. There's got to be more that which can be done. You know what I mean? And and and, and if that's social media, and people reach out to people, then then so be it. But I do think there's someone's got to help those kind of people and and people coming out of the game because people coming out of the game at 16, people coming out of the game at 30, people coming out of the game at 38. For me, sometimes it's irrelevant what age you are um, because if you if you're 38 and you're still not ready to come out of the game or you don't know anything else, then you're coming out of it because. At 38, you still could be in a position where you still need to work again. 
because you've played not in the Premier League and haven't earned the money that Premier League players are earning. Um, so, you know what I mean? For me, there's got to be some kind of um, help and, and guidance, you know. That's my dog trampling to the claws on the floor if everyone can hear that. Thanks for that, Jazzy. Um, the other thing, and just we because we were just talking about the show just before that as well, is one of the things I'm most proud of, apart from you know the shows and the quality of the shows and the guests and everything which went into it, is the community which we built. And particularly during that sort of period of COVID where people were at home and they were struggling, the amount of people who would be jumping in on a Monday to watch the shows and, you know, they'd be taking part in the shows and asking questions and, and, and watching, but also they'd be talking amongst themselves within the chat, checking on each other. And I know there's people who've met through the channel and the show. They didn't know each other before and they met through watching the show and became good friends and, and stuff like that. And I, so I'm kind of proud of the community, which we, created yeah. um, I, know the, I know i know i know the um the viewers set up a whatsapp group um there was regular contact you know what i mean for, for, for me that that's what it is because if it, listen if it helps out one person you know um like will's, will's obviously set up um uh, the score predictor which is fantastic and and and, and if will's on the on the chat i don't know if he is by the way so not he was, yeah, yeah, um like thanks very much wilkes i know obviously the money uh, money this year got um uh got donated to uh in the team um, for, for the air ambulance so you know what i mean for me it, it's little things but it's a little thing to someone else but it's a massive thing to us um you know what i mean and and just to have people watching the show it, it was a it was it's a huge thing you know it was it, it made it worthwhile doing it um because if sometimes it was for our own well-being and mental health but then it became more serious for someone else's so i think that then realized it, it was a there was a bigger picture involved yes yeah, spot on mate 100 percent, and like 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 that question, you know, Reese put a question to you earlier, but the way he worded it is I didn't see it till the end. But like, he's not the only one who's asked that question or, or the similar sort of thing. And people ask me, I would say probably at least a couple of times a week, is it going to come back? Is it this? Is it that? And I think, look, I'm not going to say anything about it now because this, that's a discussion that me and you would have to have away from the live show. But as I told you the day that you said that you were going to have to stop it, the door was always always open. If you're 20 years down the line, we'll we'll get it back on the go with our grey hair. And I would love it, mate. It was a very special time. I think, and, yeah. um, I think it is it is what it is. Um Rob says, uh eight, oh, bring it up he says Ace Nation Army, not to kiss ass, but it's important to show some love back to the brand as well. Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. Um I appreciate that massively. And uh, there's more people asking about Monday nights. Like, we're not going to ask that question now. It's, um, it's not fair. But let's talk about Stephen Gerrard's got a job in Saudi Arabia, mate. Right. As you know, one of my absolute bugbears with football and something which I really... Uh, it, how can I put it politely? Because as you know, I try not to swear in your presence or on the shows, Andy. Um, really, really gets on my ner uh, nerves because you had like Mick McCarthy and, and all these different managers who just kept getting jobs and there was other managers. And then you have people saying, oh, they never give young managers a go. And it's like, but that's because you keep giving the jobs to Sam Allardyce and, you know, Mick McCarthy and all these guys. And it really used to, grind my gears and now 
I think we've got a new generation of that. And I think, look, Frank Lampard was awful at the end of last year. He wasn't very good at Everton. And he didn't do particularly good at Chelsea. And I know people point to his time at Derby where he did all right. But let's not forget, he didn't get promoted with a team full of sensational footballers who were too good for the championship. And I just feel like he'll still get a job now, you know, if, if a job comes up in the Premier League or, or whatever, he'll get a job. And I, it frustrates me because there's top, top managers out there. There's good managers in the Premier League uh, championship. There's good managers in League One who deserve an opportunity. And I just feel like we're going to go the same way as we did the 15 years previous. And it's going to be the same group of managers just doing a merry-go-round. Is that just me, mate? Or is that a frustration for us? No, well, I'll, 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 um, I'll address Stevie first. I, I, I do find it a bit, I, I find it a bit strange. He was, he was Premier League manager last season. He won the SPL the season before. Um, so to, to jump backwards, in my opinion, um, three, four steps is... It's a strange decision because if he wins the Saudi League next year, which would be brilliant, by the way, by the way for him, be a fantastic achievement. But um, what will it mean in terms of will he will he then go and be uh, um, Tottenham manager or you know what I mean? Look at yeah. look at the new Tottenham manager. The new Tottenham manager has won the won the SBL with Celtic twice in two league, two seasons. You know what I mean? So for me, it's got to, for me. You've got to have that aspiration to want to step back up. You know what I mean? Premier League is a different animal, and the, the owners and the chairmen are looking for people who've got that drive and ambition. Um, John Sheridan, you know, I know when on, I, I was probably, probably John thinks I probably don't like him, but um, he, he's one who always gets a job, always used to get a job. Mate, I've been trying to get him to be his agent, to be my uh, agent. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was hoping, I was hoping for that. Um, but now, listen, I, I do hope that, um, I do hope that people do well, but I, I just, I just think Stevie doesn't need the money. He, he would, he would, I would happily see them on Sky Sports and being a pundit and, and, and listening from his expertise and then seeing him. Managing Saudi Arabia, like for me, I think it's a just if, in my opinion, and that's in my opinion. We talk about opinions; it's just a waste. Yeah, and Matthew, Matthew's just put uh, some cash emojis on screen. It's like, as I said uh, about twenty minutes ago, like, how much money do you need really at the end of the day? Like these guys are multi-millionaires already, and now Stephen Gerrard, in my opinion, and it's not just directed at Stephen Gerrard. If Stephen Gerrard's serious about becoming a top level manager and he wants to manage Liverpool one day say right how is going out to Saudi Arabia gonna get him there is it going to improve his skills as a manager no talk no talk let's not talk I don't understand him he may as well be better off going and managing in league one or league two yeah, totally agree. I totally well, high standards. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, look at look at look at Vincent Company. You know that that that, that he went to Burnley this year from from Anderlecht. Uh, nobody 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 thought he was he was going to achieve anything. He's he's brought a brand of football to Burnley, which I watched him a couple of times this season. And, and yes, it wasn't pretty at times, but it was effective. It won football matches. He's got them out the league, won them the title. He's now going to the Premier League. Um, for me, if he can hold his own this season, he'll get a very good job out of it because I think people want to see if he can. If he can really handle working with um, with better players or uh, against better teams um, and tactically be more tactically aware, um, same as the um, the new Spurs manager. You know what I mean? These these managers are under pressure because they've never been tested against proper opposition. That's it's not questioning the players they've got. They've worked with some really good footballers week in week out and trained them every day. They're not doubting that at all. It's the opposition. You know what I mean? Celtic only got. Tested once, twice a season, three times a season against the Rangers and, and other top sides. Um, 
uh, and and for me, it's 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 the same thing. You know what I mean? For me, Burnley didn't get tested all season, apart from towards the end of the season when teams wanted to try and fight for promotion or fight for the playoffs. So it's it's just a it's going to be a very interesting one next season. But that's what makes the Premier League the best league in the world. We've got the best managers, the best players, um, and. And now they bring even more money coming in. Give Qatar take over Man United. You're going to have Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and Dubai owning, or what? United Arab Emirates owning three of the biggest clubs in the in the league. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's Premier League is the place to be. I got to say, I think it's left La Liga and Serie A and the others behind, I really do, in terms of the brand, in terms of the football, but also in terms of the competition now, because we all know, like, Spain is, what, two or three teams realistically can win the, that league. Italy, there's a handful of teams that usually win it. The Premier League, whilst the same teams are competing for the title, on any day, any team can beat any team. And you're seeing more and more different teams competing in these European spots. Like Brighton, Brentford, Newcastle, you know, they're all there or thereabouts. And I think it's really interesting um, how it's developing. Um, off topic, Rob Boyle says, if you were Wales manager, would you have a have a look at Paul Mullen from Wrexham to see if he's up to the standard? Um I think I think every player is probably worth worth a go. I think it's a big season for Paul this season to see if he can do it in in League Two. Um, and I, and I know the answer to it myself because I I believe probably and this is probably stupid sounds stupid to everybody else, but League Two will potentially be easier than it is in the conference because you know what I mean because he's gonna he'll get he'll get potentially more time on the ball. People will give them a little bit more on the ball and and some of the goals that he can score from nothing by the way. Um, are unbelievable. Uh, so for me, uh, he knows where the goal is. Some of the goals he scored, I think Wrexham will do really well this year. I think they would have done well anyway because because they'll do you see the their link? Do you see their link with Nani after yeah. the? Yeah, he'll, listen, mate, he will destroy got, League Two. He will even at owners, his age. If you've got owners um, who have got the reputation to um, to fund a, a project like they are and and to bring in not just bring in people because people don't. It's it's the right players in the right areas. You know what I mean. They needed a real top goalkeeper to get them get them over the line last year, um, and they brought in Ben Foster. You know what I mean. But, but Wrexham would not have got promoted if Ben Foster hadn't hadn't saved um, the penalty kick from Sedwin Scott. Yeah, it, it it wouldn't have happened. You know what I mean. So that that masterstroke proved that it was a, it was a brilliant right, brilliant right. move. And you know what I mean. So they're, they're not stupid. You know what I mean. The businessmen in the, the day. You know what I mean. There's not many. There's not many stupid film stars, you know what I mean, who haven't got the red screwed on, you know what I mean? So they've, they've got a brain, they know what they're doing, uh, they're very successful in what they're doing, and I think I think they'll take Wrexham to uh, to some real, real interesting heights, which will be great for Welsh football. Here's something for you, mate. Wrexham will be in the Premier League before Cardiff are. Wow. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, they will. I, I, I'm relatively sure of it. No, um, well, 
I think. Do you I know think, why though? I say that it's because of the difference in how they're run off the field. If, Car- if Cardiff, if, if Cardiff don't sell, if Cardiff don't sell, then I think Cardiff will sell long. I think Cardiff will have a new owner in the next 12, 18 months. Maybe not early. Yeah, I hope. I hope so, mate. I I really do. I think that does change things. You're right, but change, um, the, change the dynamics because. Every every owner's every owner's holy grail is a Premier League, even if it's Premier League and then and then parachute money for the next three years. It's it's that model of parachute money saves clubs. Promotion. It works. Leicester City did it before they won the Premier League. They did it for years. So it's, it, it secures the long term future of the club, doesn't it? The parachute model, payments. Model works. Yeah, the model works. But I mean, in Cardiff's case at the moment, they're so badly run off the field that like they sack a manager, they have no idea who they're going to bring in, or they sack a manager. But they don't really have a reason to sack him, and it's just it's a bit of shambolic, that, mate. And I think that I think that's the frustration side, isn't it? That yeah, that there's probably no rhyme or reason, and and somebody gets a sack, and there's there's names getting touted about, and then all of a sudden a name gets thrown in that that nobody knows who it is, and it's it's a little bit the unknown again, and you know what I mean? I think it's the consistency, you know, that that I don't I don't know. And we can talk about probably two or three years ago we spoke on the show about. Uh, Craig Bellamy, you know what I mean? For me, he should have got the, he should have had the opportunity. For me, maybe he was offered and he didn't want it because he's going to be assistant manager in the Premier League. But like for me, I'm sure Craig would want an opportunity to branch out and be his own manager. And Cardiff City, where, what a better place to start. Yeah, I mean, I heard two different versions of it, but basically, one is that he won't, uh, he wouldn't work for the current owners again. And then the other one is that he's very happy working with Vincent Company as his number two. So I mean, you know, it is what it is. Really, you, know, you can't really speculate on it. But um, I'm going to get to Leslie's question now. But before I do, Reese says uh, Paul Mullen scored 32 go- 32 goals for Cambridge in League Two, and Geraint said, "Didn't Paul Mullen end up top scorer in League One a few seasons ago?" So I mean, yeah. oh, listen. Th- th- yeah, He's people can it. have it's 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 more the it's more the consistency as well, isn't it? You know, what I mean? and when you're doing it with uh when you're doing it with good sides who know how you how, how you play your strengths and he's and for me, centre forwards like a fine wine, you get better get better with age. You know what I mean? There's certain people um who get better with age, you know what I mean? So I wasn't one of them. Yeah, and I think my thing with um with uh with Paul Mullen is for Wales is like there's no harm in having a look at him and giving him a go. I, my personal feeling is he probably isn't up to that kind of international standard, like that elite level. Like it, if this isn't Wales of a while ago, where a lot of the squad is made up of League One and League Two players, it is predominantly Premier yeah. League Championship. And I think, but look, what he has got is he's got in his locker something special. Yeah, and no, those kind I, of players I, I totally sometimes agree. step up. I, I totally agree. I think it's also disrespectful for the group if you know what I mean. You've got you've got some good young players who uh, play, try and to try their play their trade at a higher level and don't get an opportunity. You know that I remember at Cardiff when um, obviously when Ernie and Gabs were playing. Well, Gabs especially was playing as a regular centre half in League One. He was marking Del Piero out of the game when they went when they beat Italy in the Millennium Stadium. You know that I think Wales have evolved since that moment. You know, what I mean, not since that moment, but since that time, Wales now look at elite players, Premier League, yeah. Championship. You know what I mean? So, in order for someone to break through, for me, they've got to be extra special. Yeah, I agree. I, I, if they have like friendlies, I'd be tempted to bring him in and just have a look. But ultimately, we should have strikers within the under twenty ones who are better 
than you know Paul Mullin at the age he's at and the standard he's at. And that's no disrespect to Paul. It's just you know it's fact, isn't it? Like this. Well, the system. The, the system. The system's what's there the, for the what's, what's the what's the point in the system? What's the point in the sixteens, the eighteens, the twenty ones? If if they're not going to be utilised, and and as a, as a young player, sometimes you you will get a little bit um, disillusioned by the whole system if 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 you're not getting an opportunity because you say it as a friendly, given the opportunity. Well, if I'm under twenty one national, I've scored I've scored my last my last friendly game for my, for the twenty ones, and I'm expecting that opportunity. So it's 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 a it's a real dilemma for. For coach for a manager which which is a good dilemma by the way because you want okay. the best for the country but you know what i mean it's about it's about keeping that happy camp so to speak indeed mate um right just to finish us off there mate leslie says here's a question would celtic or rangers finish in the top six of the premier league no absolutely not no i know listen that the the premier league's got too strong now um for me far too strong you've got you well for me you've got what well, you've got your man cities you got your man cities your arsenals yeah um your, your Liverpool's, your Chelsea's, your Tottenham's, you know, Man United's. You've got you've got far too many teams in that elite group. Um, for me, they'd, they'd struggle to fit in the middle group. Um, right, Brighton, Brentford, Fulham. Yeah. The teams, the teams um, who are the teams. They would all the Wolves, even the Wolves. And, Wolves. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? For me, Brighton, Palace, uh, achieved this year. Uh, you know what I mean? Leeds. What, are they? Are they? Are Leeds? Are they any worse than the Leeds? Are Leeds better than them? Because Leeds are better than them, then they go down. So it's it's a it's All a right. tough one because as as the size of the club, yeah, they should be they should be in the top and they should be in the top but three. If you but, look at the standard of the football, uh, is it? I'll put another question to you then. If you put Celtic and Rangers in the championship this year, would they get promoted? I don't think they would. I don't think. I don't. I don't. don't. I don't think. I don't think they'd run away with it if they, if they did. Listen, listen, Sai. I'm and I'm not being disrespectful uh, to 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 Celtic, Celtic. Celtic win the league. They won the league the last couple of years. Brendan Rodgers is going. In, he's probably going to do an unbelievable job. Unbelievable yeah. job. When I dropped down and left Cardiff and went to Dunfermline, um, I played against Celtic at um, when when I played for Dunfermline. I played at Hampden Park in the Scottish Cup final. Um, they had Chris Sutton, John Hart, and Henrik Larsson. Um, Sean Maloney, Roy Keane, um, Stylian Petrov, they had a top, top side. I'm talking top side. Who, who, all those players either went on to play in the Premier League or had played in the Premier League. You know what I mean? And I don't see that now in the SPL. I see I see players moving from the SPL potentially to the Championship and, and at good levels in the Championship and maybe some at the Premier League, but I don't see I don't see stars like I've just named there. And I'm and I'm talking Rangers back in the day, Andy Gorham, Paul Gascoigne, Michael Laudrup. You know these these top top players who've played for the country, who played in World Cups, who who make things happen, who, who, who get you so excited. You know what I mean? Like it's, for me, some of those some of those moments and some of those players that 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 mm. that's where the Scot Scottish football are missing those kind of like, big big players now. So here's a follow up question for you, then, mate. Right. Do you think if you were manager of Celtic, you could win the league in your first season? But before you answer that, do you also think if you were manager of Burnley last year, you could have won the championship? Um, would I would I win my? I'd, I'd like to think that I had the tools to win it at Celtic, but uh, in reality, you know what I mean. It's 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 a real real tough thing, and if and you know if you're going into, into things thinking you're going to blow blow teams away that. I don't know from an outside looking in at Celtic. I thought they should be winning these games four, five, six every week, and 
and the winning scraping last minute winners and watching games on Sky and thinking like wow they're struggling look at the team but sometimes mm. just things just don't work out you know yeah. we started to win the league before um, before the manager came in and Steven Gerrard won it and it was just he leaves and the new manager comes in and struggles but he's got the same squad plus better um, it's a real real tough one Burnley for me I'd looked at Burnley's team and didn't expect them to win the league with that with that team. You know what I mean? I, I looked at Norwich had a better squad on paper, uh, and look, look where they ended up. I looked at um, I looked at other teams and thought they should be winning the league. Where did they end up? Not even in the top twelve. Um, you know what I mean? For me, Burnley had he brought in some real good young players um, on loans, um, which I don't I'm not sure if he's going to keep or if he's bought them in full time. But um, for me, the way that he it wasn't it wasn't an attractive way of playing. So I, I watched Burnley mm. three times last season. And the three games that, that they watched, they won all three. Very dull. Um, but yeah. they got the job done. They won, they won games of football. And the job in the Championship is keep clean sheets. You do that, you'll always score. Score the first goal, you win your game. And, you know, I mean, that's what they did. And and to every player, every player looked like they knew the job. Every player looked like they enjoyed playing for the manager. Every player ran through a brick wall for their football club. And for me, if you have that chemistry of those three things, you're going to be successful. Yeah. And do you know what? Everything which you just described is exactly what Malky Mackay's Cardiff City was like the year they won the championship. They were not good to watch, but they kept clean sheets and they scored the odd goal and they ran through a brick wall for the manager, which tells you a lot, I think, about That's just the championship. I think that's why a lot of teams struggle the transition from the championship to the Premier League because 100%. the gulf's massive and you've got to change your brand, you've got to change your players. Look at Nottingham Forest. Yes, Nottingham Forest stayed up. Um, but they stayed up by a turnaround of 45 players. Um, so the, the, all the team have got them promoted. There's probably one or two still in the squad, which yeah. is heartbreaking for those players who didn't get an opportunity in the Premier League considering they worked so hard to get there. Um, they brought in all these players. You know what I mean? I think Nottingham Forest next year will struggle, really, really struggle. Do I you? think we'll go down. Um, because I, I, think, See, I, I think, think they'll do better next year because the uh, players I, that I they brought in, in... I don't think they'll bring in as many players. I think and I think those players are bedded in, though, haven't they? Yeah, but I just, I, just, I just think the teams who are going up, I think it'll be fresh. I think the teams who are, who are the, the Spurses and the Crystal Palaces and um, the Brentfords and the Brightons and, and the, even the Bournemouths, I think they'll... I think I just think I just think the Premier League's got even harder this year. Well, next season coming up, yeah. Right to finish this off, mate. I got a little treat, um, and just bear with me because I'm making this up on the fly. Okay, yeah, go. I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I, I, I'm making these up on the fly, so bear with me. Okay. Um, this was from Cade as well. Um, <clears throat> you like the new Borough shirt? Um, I like the new Borough shirt. I'm not too sure about the band, but I do like the new, new Borough shirt, yeah. Okay. Who will win the championship next year? Oh, Leicester City. Interesting. Who do you think will win the Premier League? Man City. Shock. Yeah. Um, do you think that Pochettino will still be there at the end of the season next year for Chelsea? Yes, I do. I think he'll do a really good job. I think he'll 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 revitalise and he will rebrand that football club. I think he's gone in there to do a job, and I think they'll stick by him and give him give him what he needs. One thing he'll get them, he'll get them really fit. And I don't think they've been fit for years, by the way. I think he'll get them bang on this year. Um, do you think Mbappe, because he's demanding two hundred forty million pound uh, euros a year, will end up going to Saudi Arabia? <sighs> if people are looking for money. 
then yes, because no one else can afford that kind of money. It's crazy money. And players like him can demand it, unfortunately. Unfortunately, depends how you look at it. Be a shame if he was to leave in his prime to go. If he left without coming to the Premier League and part, part of his football journey, I'd be distraught. Yeah. Um, name four teams that will make the playoffs next year. Uh, I'm, probably, I'm going to upset a lot of people here. Uh, I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go Sunderland. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Southampton. I'm going to go Blackburn. I'm going to go. I'm going to throw a swerve ball, and I'm going to go Sheffield Wednesday. Interesting. Um, who's a worse manager, Steven Gerrard or Frank Lampard? <laughs> uh, uh, well, I played with them both, so I'd probably say me. No, um, uh, <laughs> I'm going on facts, by the way. So everything, everything I talk normally is 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 either my own opinion or facts. I'm going on facts, and the facts do state that that Frank is probably the worst manager. We've got to have a question in there to stitch you up a little bit, isn't it? Um, okay, last one, uh, last two. Sorry, I can't count. Um, will Cardiff City be in a relegation battle again next year? No. 100% no. You're brave. You're brave. I did say sometimes, sometimes that's my opinion. That's an opinion, yeah. not a fact. Right yeah, on. of course, yeah. And then the final question is, um, are you free on Monday nights? No, I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, let's have a look. No, I think, uh, I, think, well, I think that's a nice way to finish it. Magnificent seven, roll back the years. Um, mates, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. It's been nice. And still got that professional touch to finish bang on one and a half hours. Like, just never lose it. It's man. just standard, isn't it? Standard, standard. We got, we, got, we, got, we got good at that. We didn't need to check the watch or, or, you know, it's been good. Well, we had that little, like, the it was the any other business, Magnificent Seven, tell me why, boom, 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 players, yeah. career, questions from the live chat, rock and roll. Ah, it was beautiful, mate. It was beautiful. Um, guys, I'm sure we'll see Andy again at some point. And then um, I'll obviously let you know. We've got plenty of shows coming up though. Wednesday, members, the Cardiff City Stroke Championship. Um, Thursday, weekly footy roundup while Rodri's having a little break. And uh, we've got my story this coming Monday featuring none other than former Cardiff City striker, former Lincoln striker, Mr. Gavin Gordon. And uh, that was a really interesting chat. That's out Saturday, Saturday at 12 o'clock. Um, and I also would, would urge you to check out last week's with boxer Brandon Scott because that was a real, real interesting special show. Um, but until then, Andy, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much no, for thank joining you, me. Thank you Thanks for everybody listening. Really appreciate it. Top man. And uh, we'll see you, see you Wednesday, guys. Nice one. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my Auntie Louise told Mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if Mummy or Daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. 
After an hour, Darren said goodbye and Mummy and Daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. I belong, I belong to you. I belong, I belong to you. You don't trust what you want. Network.